Well, hello there. <laughs> Satnam, this is Andy Rasmussen. Also, uh, Vedjot Singh when I teach Kundalini Yoga. And, uh, you know, Felice and I have been, uh, Felice Austin and Namjoti Kar and I have been alternating with these uh, personal recordings on this podcast. There's going to be, so we're doing a lot of different things and there'll probably be some different formats coming up even than that as this podcast morphs into whatever, um, whatever is needed next. Um, for everybody and anybody who's listening now and in the future, Felice has done some marvelous short podcasts recently. I expect those to continue. I have one I know that will be quite lengthy and involved here coming up uh, whenever the time is right. But today I just wanted to, you know, something has come up uh, recently uh, over and over again in my awareness that hasn't been particularly pleasant but has been and continues to be pretty useful, uh, just on a, a level of personal insight. That's so why I thought I'd share it, because uh, I don't think I'm unique uh, in any way, certainly not with this experience. Um, in fact, I've noticed that this is a thing that I think is at the root of so much that we struggle with individually, on an individual consciousness uh, level and collectively, and it's manifesting now across uh, all of society, at least here in the West. You know, the society with in which I live and I'm most familiar, and that's uh, that's grief and sadness <clears throat> and um, deep grief. You know, even from loss buried long in our past or consciousness, even pre-consciousness, uh, maybe maybe pre, uh, you know, earlier years of development, even pre-birth in the womb, or even epigenetically uh, loss in our, in our family lines can be at the root of anger. I, 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 think it, I think it is fundamentally at the root of so much of the anger and the illness, uh, chronic pain, <clears throat> and uh, dis-ease conditions and relationship dysfunction, certainly, that we're experiencing now, that so many are experiencing, either directly or indirectly in their lives. And, uh, you know, it's easy. We can all, we're all familiar with, we can identify those crushing triggers for grief that are that are typical when we talk about those things, the death of a parent, a child, or, you know, another loved one that's close, uh, being left or betrayed by a spouse or a loved one, um, you know, some sort of a loss on, on the, uh, the love of your life. And these are things that the great tragedies in literature spring from. Um, and that's the word, right? The great tragedies of life, uh, both from life as such and, and from the malevolence of other people, the, 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 the existence of evil, those who want to do you harm just to do you harm. Both those things, tragedies and malevolence, can lead to what uh, you know. 
what a lot of the the psychological uh, grief literature that has become <clears throat> rather ubiquitous in in our society today when people are are, are learning about it they that's what they they treat you know in in uh in our family certainly uh one of the triggers has been the loss of for my wife in particular the loss of um one of our uh, children it went in a stillbirth okay um we recognize those as i don't know how you would how would you say um legitimate maybe legitimate triggers for deep grief and then uh, you know everybody knows the the stages of grief that you go through and and, and it's not a linear progression you know you can cycle through them many times and i'm not going to talk about any of that <clears throat> not, i just want to identify um grief as as a, as a core or or maybe deep um cause a lot of these things, and grief as triggered by trauma, I guess is what I'm saying. That you know, we, it's easier for us to identify the traumatic instances that then lead to uh, kind of some post-traumatic stress responses, uh, both physiologically and psychologically, spiritually and emotionally, obviously, and uh, and and those patterns that then get set in the body and in the and in the nervous system as we react from that traumatic, um, unresolved trauma. And, and we understand the grief as it comes from that. But, you know, <clears throat> what I've been thinking of recently and, and realizing uh, on, on a deeply personal level is in our – in this, uh, you know, new – what is so far as we know really very new um, experience of life that the humans have today, this super fast-paced, demanding, task-oriented, um, time-constrained um, and bound um, experience, you know, Yogi Bhajan talked about being so, he talked a lot all the time about being so bound to time and space, Yogananda did as well. That experience of life, um, our most common coping strategy, almost of necessity, if we, if we buy into that experience of life, to, you know, that highly time compressed, demanding experience, is to stuff it, you know, stuff any, any discomfort um, over loss. Or trauma, and to move on because you know otherwise we feel we may just be overwhelmed and consumed <laughs> by the clock and our and our um, various responsibilities. Um, and when loss and grief are too much to deal with, in the moment we repress our feelings uh, to get on with our lives. You know, trying to live normally, quote unquote, on top of an underground lake of uh, of troubling emotions. That uh, you know that never goes away, never is resolved. So, obviously, I mean, unfortunately, this kind of denial has a short-term benefit, feeling less pain in the moment, but a long-term cost of never actually dealing with the pain <clears throat> and uh, and its consequences. So, the more pain we avoid, the the fuller. If that's a word, the fuller that lake of unresolved feelings becomes until eventually, obviously, as will <laughs> happen, it overflows to a point that we can't, we can no longer ignore it. So, uh, the point being, living with this unresolved pain of loss and of grief um, has long term negative consequences on our emotional and our physical health that we start to see boil, boil over or overflow into the more common things that we may recognize as dysfunctional and try to treat through um, 
well, whether it be counseling or medication or, you know, a, a, an over, over, I would just say maybe a recommitment and maybe an overcommitment to a spiritual path, you know, yoga, meditation. Those are the things like the, the anger, you know, we do Kriyas for anger um, release and, uh, and different chronic conditions, both of the emotions and of the body, you know, physiological manifestations. So emotionally, we're stuck in the past. I, I mean, to put it most bluntly, and anchored to those old feelings of what is really heartache. You know, um, an unhealed, broken heart because of loss. We get stuck there, even though we haven't. We think we've moved on, and and. Uh, and that can be any kind of loss. Anyway, anchor, we, we, we are anchored and attached. Uh, maybe even you may say bound or sealed. If we're too, um, you know, maybe get a little double entendre there. Bound to those feelings of heartache. And, and in that state, we cannot, whether they're present, even when it's present, we cannot experience new joys, new loves, and dreams everything is tinted or um, affected or tarnished by this ever-present subterranean pain. So, you know, there's also obviously a physical cost. The body sites where pain is buried are more prone to injury or illness, infection, degeneration, uh, because they carry more physical strain and are more likely to become inflamed, among other things. Um, so, well, a couple of, a couple of notes here, I guess. So I want to, I want to end on a practical note and then, but I want to, I want to mention briefly too, I think this is a, like I said, an, an endemic experience in our world today, in our society, in our families. And I think the real feelings of loss are triggered <clears throat> which is a word that I really can't stand today uh, speaking of the word being impregnated with uh, now you know and, and overcome by useless meaning but these feelings of uh, and, and, and responses like physiological psychological responses of of loss grief and even trauma are triggered by things that we may not consider to be quite so um, what was the word I used? Quite so legitimate. And that can be things as simple as lost dreams. You know, you get to a certain point in your life and you realize that particular dream, that particular desire is likely in the past. It's likely unfulfilled. Forever in, in my individual life, yeah, and we can talk about well in great literature, you know uh, Tom Jode's famous speech in Grapes of Wrath about <clears throat> being part of the collective conscious it was very it was a very Jungian idea that he and I guess um, Steinbeck was contemporary with Jung there at the time, uh, and maybe that's where he got it, but it, it, Jode talked about being you know he was telling his mother he was going to be. 
uh, maybe it didn't matter. The collective experience was the same as the individual, whatever individual life gave it expression, <clears throat> and the individual life gave it express- expression to different aspects of the collective experience. It's very kind of a, 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 a Pauline idea, really, when you think about the body of Christ. Um, each of us having a different experience within, and different contribution of gifts, etc., within the larger body of of Christ or the you know, the human experience. Um, and so maybe your particular experience is not going to be what you thought it was. And that can be through, again, a, a major traumatic loss. Maybe you've lost the use of your limbs or, or something, or illness. has something external that you can identify, and maybe not. Maybe it's just you weren't, you didn't measure up, you missed the mark. You missed an opportunity, you let it slide. Van Halen, you missed a beat and you lose a rhythm <laughs> and nothing falls into place. <clears throat> and you realize there's probably no getting that back. That could be on any front, you know. Relationship, career, uh, personal, familial. And then, you st- and then maybe you, if you're lucky... You dive deep into that testimony. You read the Book of Mormon. You realize, you read the experiences of the prophets, and you realize this is the human condition. And if you've wandered from the scriptures, you don't believe Joseph. You read the you read literature, great literature, and you realize this is the human condition. But what to do with that loss? I think now maybe we're being. Like I said, deeper physiological and psychological and spiritual reactions are being triggered by, by um, <clears throat> experiences that are maybe not as intense as those that triggered it in the past. And I think there may be reasons for that as far as what is coming up epigenetically, familially, for us to clear now. I'll tell you a personal story that I don't tell uh, very often, certainly not publicly. I've told people privately, but when I was in uh, <clears throat> uh, in college, uh, just back from mission sophomore year, I think I was up at Rick's and had a um, you know I had I had uh, come home early from a mission and uh, um, it was about a year before that. But you know that was at the time I think I've mentioned in this podcast before. There was some depression and anxiety. I was being treated for that. There was you know on, on medication, etc. and it wasn't it was kind of unspecified as far as well I didn't really feel like we'd got to the to the answer to the bottom of it, but in any case. Um <clears throat> no and there was a lot going on and blah blah blah. But uh at one point that year I was um I was dumped. Oh, and that was a first <laughs> for me. Uh, by by a girl that I had been, been dating and we had you know, been considering uh, talking about getting married and those kinds of things, and I had a little, uh, <laughs> little depressive episode. I kind of spooked her. I can't think. I kind of spooked her family. In any case, um, uh, she dumped me, and um, and really without explanation. And like I said, that was a different experience. I'd have I'd broken up with with girls before. It was not easy ever. That you know, broken hearts are not. Uh, they're they're one of the most profound experiences um, in the human human experience, <clears throat> but this was uh, different because I I've, it was just 
like dropped on me. In any case, uh, that was at the beginning of winter semester, and I had uh, begun seeing uh, just prior to that uh, uh, just a, a psychiatrist uh, uh, at the at the, the student counseling center there, <clears throat> and. Um, and around that time, he he wanted to get kind of a better better grasp, better idea, and uh, what was going on. So he ran me through a, you know, took me through the battery of, of psychiatric tests, and I can't remember what they're called now. Just I had a brain fart, but in any case, he, he administered those one day, and I came back the next week, and uh, you know, we're going to kind of go over the results and see if we could pin down something a little bit more than, you know, an non specified uh, major depressive disorder with uh, with anxiety component. And in any case, what. He, he mentioned that uh, we ended up do, we did at that point. I I, I got a, a diagnosis of bipolar two, and we worked with that for a number of years until uh, you know I began to to move away from that uh, diagnosis and that experience with a lot of well, I think I've mentioned that journey before in other in other podcasts. But one of the things he mentioned was at, at that that uh, appointment. He said you have. Said so it's 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 hard to tease out what's really, uh, you know, maybe maybe underlying here and what is experiential because you're you're testing like off the charts for loss. Um, it, he said it, it's identical to scores I would expect from someone who who has lost a, a parent or a, or a spouce or a child at this at this point, and you're just very recently. And and he said I, so I don't. Uh, it's, and he was. He seemed confused as he was telling me this. He said, "I'm just telling you that because it was very, very clear. I'm just not sure what to attribute that to. I, and have you? Is there something you haven't told me?" And then he kind of stopped and he said, "Oh no, no, I, <laughs> I know what, what that's about." And I thought, "Well, I do too." Although that seems a little pathetic. <laughs> and we, anyway, so we processed that out, and there was a, you know. <clears throat> It was a good couple of months there getting over that while I was going through school. Um, it was just a breakup, like just a breakup of a dating relationship. And that's how I responded to it psychologically and, and potentially even physiologically giving, giving some physical symptoms. And you probably have, have all felt that to some degree, you know. Um, anyway, I've thought about that recently. I hadn't thought about it for quite a while. <clears throat> And I don't think I'm reliving that particular episode here now. There are other other issues, other things, but but I've I've thought about um, you know I think we are bringing these things up in this um, well if there are things you're struggling with if there are things you like like Paul says you know you you want to do. And you know you should do, and uh, and, well, that, and that even more than should you you want to do the good, and you just still find yourself not. Or you know somebody in your life, and you're struggling with them that this isn't doing the same thing. Or you can see it around you. You know, again, I'm involved in politics, and, and I'm aware of that kind of that realm. You can see this this angst and 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 rage and. Um, well, and so many other things. Maybe we could all just be a little bit um, more gentle with ourselves 
and with each other and realizing that these are coming from deep, deep wounds, many times generations old, but that are re-triggered in this life. And, and people are just hurting. We're just, you're just hurting. There's a loss. And you know it's a loss. And you know it's a, you know you lost it. Whatever. And maybe many things. And there, you know, you can grieve in a destructive way. There's no question. And, and there, you know, we may bear responsibility for that. But be gentle with yourself and kind with others. And, and that's why. You don't have to excuse destructive behavior. But you can, you know, uh, Yogi Bhajan's fourth sutra, understand with compassion or you will misunderstand the times. I got to apply that internally first in yourselves in ourselves and in our family. So, you know, the process, you connect, connect with these um, body-felt sensations of sadness and grief. As much or as little as you need to each, every time you, you, you connect with, with the meditation. But it's the, you know, good to get back to Carl Jung. <clears throat> He said famously, what you most desire will be found where you least want to look. That can be a hard principle, but it is rock solid in all of the world's religious traditions, spiritual traditions, myths, great stories, everything, right? Don't run from your pain. Don't try to ignore your trauma. Instead, give that depression, that sadness, that grief, that disappointment, um, despondency. And then hopelessness, even give it some room. Um, it might, in fact, be as horrible as you think. And if you've indulged, and it's not the right word, if um, and the loss or the tragedy or even the malevolence might have laid waste to your life like that like uh you know hurricane michael in florida recently it the destruction might be that total it might be as you start to open up and give it some awareness it might be worse than you think but of course you are way more than you think And you, in Christ, as Christ, one with the Christ, are everything. And, um, you know, so this quiet, every Satnamra Sayan principle, yeah? This quiet, non judgmental, unflinching attention will dissolve all blocks and resistance. But that kind of attention is impossible <clears throat> until we shoulder the responsibility for facing and experiencing the pain of our lives instead of deflecting it or repressing it or projecting it. 
Connect with the body. Where, where it is in your body, you feel that. And you begin to release the trapped emotions by just... By, by just holding the space for them. By just being aware of them in, in conjunction with the entirety of your awareness in that moment. Use the healing power of your heart. Maybe a heart opening meditation to bring self compassion then to your old wounds and whatever patterns of of dysfunctional behavior has have perhaps, you know, flowed from those old wounds and release as much or as little as you like. You know, and every 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 time you peel back the onion, use whatever tools you, you have. Um energy work and and exercise and yoga and meditation. But here's a, here's a key, and this is what we'll end on, the practicality of it. There needs to be, or it's most effective if, I guess, there, there's a physical component because these things are, you know, the body is both the veil and the, and the door through the veil. <clears throat> uh, and, and grief, sadness, trauma, we, we know, you know. Science and faith both agree it's... It is trapped in the body. Um, most especially with sadness and grief in the respiratory system, in the heart and lungs. And that's uh, one reason, one very key reason you see a lot of hunched you know, postures today, particularly among women. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that, I think, in my next um, <laughs> next episode, whenever that is. But the, you know, you, we, we think we, we attribute a lot of our hunched over posture now to, you know, banging away at keyboards all day and sitting down all day, and there's certainly something to that. But but the energetic and physiological reasons as well as what we're, <clears throat> there's, we're holding, as people, we're holding so much pain uh, in that, in the heart center and the, and the respiratory system that um, it serves us to keep it closed and collapsed because opening it up allows that pain to flow it forces an awareness of the pain you heard the you know the phrase takes your breath away uh, in context of a, of a traumatic or a negative event or something it can be positive as well but that but you can understand that I and recently I've thought <clears throat> because it, it's been and, and as I before I realized this uh, Recently, I thought, man, I've, I'm really noticing, like, even just sitting up straight in the morning with sadhana, or sometimes it's sadhana, you can kind of get into it, but throughout the rest of the day, I, you know, I'm noticing a lot shallower breathing, uh, just on a, on a regular, you know, just sitting or uh, or uh, resting. And so I, you know, consciously trying to sit up straight, take a deep breath, and, and there's almost a panic that sets in. Not every time, but but I've noticed it a, a few times recently. I'm just panic like, I I I know, like I can't, I cannot, <laughs> like I don't want to go there. I don't want to take a deep breath. Uh, that's it. That's uh, and that's it. Well, that's a wonderful, wonderful sign. It's hard to think that way, but when you wake up, Yogi Bhajan said, you wake up in a terrible mood. Um, <clears throat> that's a sign that there's something there ready to be released. Ready for the work to be done. Anyway, so anything like uh, you know, any heart opener or or um, or or pranayama that really works and opens 
the heart center or the respiratory system. You know, um, ego eradicator is, is, is incredible. That cardiovascular um, aerobic uh, crea that's, that's in the first, that's in the teacher manual. Uh, you know, anything that opens regularly and rhythmically opens uh, that fourth chakra. And you think about what that means to have the fourth chakra to connect it on top of the third, <clears throat> which is the second and third, which is where, this, where the next point is that we find a lot of generational sadness and grief. And that's right in that navel point, of course, up into the solar plexus, that second, third chakra leading up to the fourth. If those are not set and aligned and balanced and clear, um, you're going to have a hard time manifesting the other things from the fourth chakra, the prosperity, the love that you may be seeking. And the block may be, um, you know, this grief and sadness. Now, so a stretch pose followed by, you know, an ego eradicator, like something like that. But um, I want to say, too, that something that's a little bit harder, maybe, I don't know, is for me to kind of think about it. Sadness and grief, this kind of well, this kind of a of an experience of loss, is really only possible if you're attached to something, be an idea, dream, person, relationship, um, how things should be, should have been, could have been, used to be, ought to be, whatever you know. It, when you're attached to that idea, and it becomes apparent that that's not going to be your experience any longer or or the possibility is gone you will experience a loss that will can then lodge in you and do all the things we're talking about and it will be real the experience of loss will be real <sighs> even if the attachment was unnecessary and this is of course what most eastern religions and and spiritual practices get at right the fundamental tenet to Buddhism, the fundamental proposition of life is life is suffering. And why? Why does the Buddha say? Because we're attached to things in this. We're attached to temporal things in this life. You know, it's the rich young ruler that came to Christ and said, you know, what do I need to do to, to, to be saved, to, to have this, like King Lamoni, to have this, uh, you know, this... This salvation you speak of, this this deliverance and and joy, and Jesus said, "Do this and this and this." He said, "Yeah, I do all. I've done that. I've done them all since my youth." He says, "Okay, one more thing. You know, sell all you have, give it away. Come follow me." And, and he went away sorrowing, of course. And we tell that story all the time. But th- but why was that the requirement? Because that's the only requirement. <laughs> because to order to truly have your heart open, um. The only attachment, the only binding can be through the Holy to and through the Holy Spirit of promise. And that can't include anything that's temporary. Therefore temporal. And uh, you know, there are there are <clears throat> apocryphal traditions, um, a number of them, by the way, that say that Rich Younger came back the next day or or shortly thereafter, within within just a few days. He had gone away sorrowing. But after spending some time in reflection, had done what Christ asked, and he came back, and Christ initiated him into the wisdom uh, tradition, the 
the hidden wisdom. And of course, the apocryphal uh, sources don't mention what that initiation entailed. But anyway, so there's a little ending to the story. It's a little little more <laughs> positive than what we usually hear. But but those kinds of ex- those kinds of um, attachments can come from expectations. They can come especially, especially, especially from comparing, right? Um, you know, Yogi Bhajan said, if you're if you're not willing to talk about something or, or be aware of it, how you how are you going to get rid of it? He said, there's a tendency to blame others for our faults. It's a very powerful block. It has ruined us many, many times in our lives. Um, he said, we, we, we blame somebody else because we never are ourselves. But to be very honest, this is Yogi Bhajan, to be very honest with you, we do not want to be ourselves at all. <clears throat> we always want to be somebody else, to copy somebody else, to feel for somebody else, to think about somebody else, to compare ourselves with somebody else. We judge ourselves and our neighbors by whether we are rich or poor, who is beautiful, who is not. Think about it. Take a practical look at all all that and ask yourself a very honest and sincere question. Who then are you as you? Uh, I think as we take the... A little bit more responsibility, a little bit more seriousness along these spiritual paths, <clears throat> and start to drop the expectations and drop the attachments to ideas specifically about you know how life should be, ought to be, is going to be, whatever. Uh, where we're able then to come into the present moment and to experience the atonement of Christ, and that's the release. It's not necessarily that every dream you ever had is fulfilled, and that's the release. It might be. Eventually, surely it will be. But in the meantime, what releases you from the, this life is to cease to be bound to this life. As such, to die in Christ and be resurrected, right? There's all these ideas kind of pulling into it now, um, if you want to truly be released from grief and sadness, uh, release your expectation. And that's a that's different than the expect the positive expectation of hope and faith. We don't have time to go into that, and I should, maybe should have been clearer on that. But I th- I'm hope- hoping I'm. I'm hoping there's some utility in the way I've laid it out there, at least. <clears throat> um, that like every experience in this life, the experience of, of, of loss that triggers these deep, uh, you know, deep, this deep pain is largely found in our mind and the interpretations thereof on the experiences that we have. Um. Anyway, I, I that's all. <laughs> it's lots more than I want to say, as is uh, usually the case when I start talking. I, I guess you know, be gentle with yourself and with others. For yourself, connect with your body. Where in your body you feel the the the, the sadness and the grief, and and be hold it in the in your awareness. Um, and that will dissolve and release or uh, um, a little bit at a time. 
but you got to experience it. Like the, you know, the Alanis Morissette song, The Only Way Out Is Through. Um, but it's in that going through that you'll, you'll realize the release of the atonement. And um, I guess that, that, that's probably said things two or three times now, and I feel like I haven't quite made myself clear, but I hope that's useful to somebody out there. Um, a lot of what we're going through is rooted in a deep grief, deep loss, a sadness about loss. And it's worth some pondering, some contemplation, and some meditation on the nature of loss and our experience with it. And uh, and how all of our tools can can benefit that and bring us uh, to the feet of the Master, who seemed to lose all and yet gained everything. So, uh, Satnam, and we'll talk with you soon.